0: Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for April 20. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. The story is told of an Easter dawn in a Russian prison camp in the days of the USSR. A voice called out, Christ is risen! And despite the command for silence, a chorus of voices responded, He is risen indeed! The events of the first Easter day awaken the world to the dawning of a new era, and with it the assurance that there is more to life than our experiences now. In our troubled, conflicted and war-ravaged world, how encouraging this is! The resurrection of Jesus reveals that death need not be the end, but the door to a life in all of its fullness and joy. Now you may dismiss the resurrection as fake news because it conflicts with the natural laws, the regularities scientists observe about the operation of the universe. However, such laws don't prevent the Creator God from intervening and overruling whenever He chooses, bringing about an event that we speak of as a miracle. Luke chapter 24, verses 1-14
1: through 14. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened.
0: In the opening lines of Luke chapter 24 we read, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, the women, came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. There would have been no joy in the hearts of those women in that early morning. They had watched as Jesus died, and now, filled with grief as they trudged to his grave, laden with heavy spices and ointments for his burial, they were confused and despairing. But more disquieting news was to come. When they arrived at the grave, they found the massive stone that had closed the grave entrance had been rolled away. What could have happened? Was it thieves? Was it some underhand action on the part of the authorities? They were totally out of their depth. And while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. And as they were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. If you want to find Jesus, you've come to the wrong place, they were saying. Remember how He told you while He was with you in Galilee, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. The angels themselves could have explained the empty tomb, but instead they focused on the weight and the authority of Jesus' own words. Remember what He told you, they said. This is so important. The Gospel writers want us to hear Jesus' explanation of what He did and why. He had spoken of the events that had now come to pass. He had already explained why it had to happen. And with this reminder, the women remembered. It's easy for us today to forget Jesus' words when we learn troubling news. We forget that Jesus not only predicted His death and resurrection, as well as the fall of Jerusalem that occurred in 70 AD, but he also spoke of earthquakes, conflicts and wars that would occur before his return. As Paul the Apostle, in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, writes, We know that the whole of creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we are saved. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. During his ministry, Jesus had spoken twice about his death and resurrection. He had come as the Saviour who would address our greatest human need. He would deliver us from God's just judgment and open the great doors into God's kingdom. Jesus' words at the Last Supper are key. This is my body given for you, he said. This is my blood shed for you. Scholars agree that these words are probably the most reliably preserved statements of earliest Christianity. We find them in 1 Corinthians, written about 50 A.D., and also in Matthew, Mark and Luke, written no later than the 60s. Love it or hate it, the evidence that Jesus thought of his death as a sacrifice or ransom for sins is strong. In fact, when we read Luke as a whole, we see that his emphasis on Jesus' death is so strong, we begin to understand that the crucifixion is about God's justice and love. It was why Jesus came. Love and justice both matter to God. To say, as some do, that Jesus' death was some kind of cosmic child abuse is to forget that the New Testament insists that he was not coerced into dying at Calvary. Jesus laid down his life voluntarily. In John chapter 10, verse 18, we read Jesus' words, No one takes my life from me but I lay it down of my own accord. The New Testament is clear. In the case of men and women, God is the wronged party. Yet in His love, He chose to enter the world in person and bear the punishment that we, the wrongdoers, deserve. He, the judge, has paid the fine owed to Him by us. Jesus' resurrection confirms for us the truth and the trustworthiness of what he has done. The women who went to the tomb did remember Jesus' words, and what a difference it made. They didn't stay at the tomb, suddenly energised with new vitality and joy. They rushed off to tell their friends the breaking news. Who doesn't want to share good news? And Dr. Luke, that very careful historian, wants us to know that even though the first witnesses to the empty tomb were women, their witness is true. It's one of the reasons he identifies them by name. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James. They were perfectly sane and sensible people, people of integrity. In fact, Luke implies, if you want to find out for yourself, go and talk to them. How important remembering is for us. How often we forget the words of Scripture. In good times we forget because things are going well. But we also forget God's words of comfort and assurance when life gets tough. In times of drought and flood, injustice and war. Or you may be single longing for a partner. You may be in a loveless marriage. You may be longing for a job. You may have a sick or dying loved one. We need to remember. Remember that we are never alone. We have a secure hope. Through His death and resurrection, Jesus is the pioneer who leads us into life in a new era, in all its fullness and joy. So let me pray. Almighty God, You have conquered death through your dearly beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant us by your grace to set our mind on things that are above, so that by your continual help our whole life may be transformed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, in everlasting glory. Amen. may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip us all with everything good that we may do His will, working in us what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. The people involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book 1978, and the opening and concluding music is from St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. The hymn, Thine Be the Glory, is sung by the Cathedral Chamber Choir under the direction of Ross Cole. Do let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.